Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. Hello, this is PJ Ewing. Welcome to The Bee's Knees podcast. It is 2021. Thank goodness we are here all safe and sound together we are going to talk about knee surgery, knee replacement, knee recovery, and we have the best guest ever in history of guests, Halima Curry. Are you ready to be the best guest ever? I, I, I certainly hope so. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you are welcome. Halima and I work together. Halima, well, I'll let Halima tell her own story, but uh, relatively recently, she's been added to the team at X10 Therapy in Michigan doing physical therapy work as a PTA with uh, X10 patients and doing amazing work from all that I can tell, Halima. So I'm sure it's uh, <laughs> a lot, of, lot to tell and a lot of stories. Today we're going to talk about getting ready for surgery, preparation, what you should know, what you should think about, uh, a lot of preparation, pre-surgical considerations for those that are thinking about having a knee replacement or have scheduled a knee replacement and, and potentially even other surgeries. But before we get into that, I'd like to hear, Halima, just tell us a little bit about your background, what you've been doing sure. all these years and where you do it and how you found X10, just you know, sort of your, your story. Thank you for having me again, PJ. I am a physical therapist assistant. I have been in this profession for 18 years. Be, uh, for, it'll be 18 years this year. And I have worked in the outpatient setting, the inpatient setting, so in hospital set, hospital settings. And my main focus has been in orthopedics with knee replacements, hip replacements, fall injuries, uh, multi-traumas, pretty much whatever they break, they can fix. That's what I work with. That is where I've been. I've also done some adjunct work um, in for physical therapy assistant schooling for students. Uh, one of my main, main focuses has been to work in uh, at Beaumont Hospital, which is where I work here in Michigan, I taught the preoperative education course. So all the people who were coming in for knee hip replacements in the next three to six months took this course, and I was a part of the nursing. There was a nursing portion and a physical therapy portion and occupational therapy portion that was taught during that hour-and-a-half course, and that was what I taught at while working at Beaumont Hospital, at the hospital setting. So this is where my expertise lies and really just making sure that patients are prepared for such a extensive surgery but has gotten streamlined over the years. We are in good hands, Halima. I can tell already. How many classes do you think you ended up teaching over the years? I know I taught the class for at least six out of the eight years I worked at Beaumont. So oh once a month for over six years-ish. Do a lot the of classes. That's a lot of classes. <laughs> yes. And because uh, I know everyone goes through a class wherever you are in the world, in the country. Mm -hmm. There's a class mm -hmm. at the hospital that hopefully you get to attend. I know in today's COVID days, that's been disrupted. I'm sure you're doing, most people are doing that online, doing they Zoom, do, that Yeah, kind of most thing. hospital systems have a uh, online portion um, right. that should right. be available to their, to their uh, patients. So if mm -hmm. not, you know, hopefully they can, you can refer them to this maybe and say, hey, can you guys get something like this on board? It will really help your patients. 
And just if you're listening to this now on the podcast, the Bees Knees podcast, just recognize that we have a whole curriculum for people with knee surgeries coming up on the radio. It's called Knee Radio One, knee-radio-the-number-one.com. It's Saturday live from noon to six. There are two different six-hour shows, believe it or not, every other Saturday that run. And in fact, you may be listening to that right now because we're going to place this content right at the beginning of that that show. So this is going to be really useful, Halima, for those that are, you know, really mm-hmm. have surgery coming up within a few weeks, three weeks, four weeks, that kind of thing. Well done. Okay, great. Um, anything else about you? Where'd you go to school, Halima, in, in Michigan? Um, I, I, am a, I am a Detroit native. I uh, went to Mercy High School uh, with, um, that's a, a prestigious Catholic school for all girls. Uh, in here in the uh, metro Detroit area. Um, I've also done some of my undergrad work at Hampton University in Virginia, and then I finished most of my rest of my schooling here. I've also um, obtained a master's in public health from the University of Michigan Flint about two years ago now. I try to incorporate a lot of my health education techniques that I learned at that institution into my teaching and my coaching here with X10. And prior to coming to X10. So funny, Halima, you don't know this, but I went to Catholic Central and then Michigan oh, wow. myself. So you were, it wasn't like a sister school or anything, but I know there was a lot right. of dating, dating that went on between <laughs> DC guys and <laughs> Mercy Girls. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, yep. All right. All well, one big happy family. Right. Exactly. Well, well done. So let's go into some of our topics. We're going to start with bullet number one. Halima built a beautiful outline for this conversation. So we're going to go with, am I ready for surgery? You've got some bullet points. Take it away, Halima. Let's talk about people getting ready and knowing that this is the right decision to make. Sure. So one of the things, if you're considering having knee replacement or even hip replacement, kind of most of the things that we'll talk about are interchangeable. So you want to consider uh, your current health issues. Do you have high blood pressure that's not controlled? If you have type 2 or even type 1 diabetes um, that's not controlled. Um, Your weight, um, a lot of surgeons will hinder your consideration for surgery if you have excess weight that's out of control and it's not controlled, it's not controlled because they don't want to operate on someone if, and it damages the integrity of the surgery if your weight is not controlled. So they may suggest that you lose some weight prior to having surgery. So those are the kind of things that you want to consider. You also want to con- consider what your current pain level is. Are you having trouble just doing your basic day-to-day activities? Are you taking med medication on a daily basis to control the pain so that you can function? Uh, what is your level of dis- discomfort? If it's not that bad, then, you know, maybe you can delay your surgery a little bit longer. But if it's getting to the point where you're in constant pain, that is something that you may want to consider. Do I, am I ready to go through a surgical procedure? You also want to consider your current functional mobility. Are you able to just do your basic day-to-day tasks? Is walking around your home or walking for work getting to be increasingly difficult? Are you able to go up and down the stairs with, with a lot of difficulty? If you're having trouble just getting up, from a, up and down from a sitting position, those are the type of things you want to consider in terms of your function that will make you consider if the basic things are troublesome, 
troublesome or even some more complex things are troublesome and it's just affecting your overall function, you want to think about those things to, to consider yourself being ready for surgery. Another one, another thing to consider if you're ready for surgery, what are your goals or what type of quality of life do you expect to have over the next five years? Make a list. Talk with your family. What activities would you like to maintain? What activities would you like to accomplish? Some people have things as simple as being able to pick up and work with their grandchildren. Some people want to be able to continue to work so that they can retire in the next three to five years. Um, do you want to be able to play with your dog, take your dog for a walk? Or do you have more, more extensive goals, maybe run or walk or 5K? or do something, or do those longer distances. Whatever it is that you want to do, you want to evaluate what are your goals and what type of quality of life that you want to have in the next five years and beyond, because having surgery will allow you to consider and be able to accomplish those things and have a, a better quality of life because your function is better. So those types of things kind of go into the process of saying, okay, I want to have, I, I need to have a surgery for my hip or knee. Once you've decided yes or no to those types of things, then you can, you know, talk to a surgeon at that point. But I do want to ask you, though, Halima, and maybe you can talk sure. a little bit about when you do have that person who's looking for performance and they're looking for 5Ks and mountain climbing and on that kind of activity, what kind of mm-hmm. advice do you have for that person when it comes to knee replacement? If you're able to do them now, I say keep doing them as long as it doesn't cause any pain or damage your function further. Keep doing it up until you decide, you know, until you can have the surgery even. Because the more active that you are and able to, the more you're able to stay active will help you in the long run. So if you're able to continue to do those types of activities that you want leading up to your surgery, then go right ahead. But if you want to get back to them, um, just as long as it's safe and your surgeon agrees with those types of activities, um, it just depends on even with hip replacements, there's some restrictions that you have that may limit your ability to do maybe some skiing or even yoga. But techniques have changed over the years that those things are a little bit more possible now because of how those, these surgeries are done, knee replacements and hip replacements alike. So my suggestion would be do them, do them as long as it does not cause you any pain or limit your function even more. But if you need to stop them, by all means, stop them and then go from, you know, use your best judgment and follow your directions from your surgeon. And in terms of longevity, the conventional wisdom for a new mm-hmm. knee, what, what is that mm-hmm. in your opinion? Do you, do you have any reference points? Knee replacements and hip replacements have longevity of at least 15 to 20 years. But the caveat to that is they want you to maintain a healthy weight and barring any major accidents, major falls, major car accidents, or things of that nature. Your basic everyday activities, walking, driving in the car, playing with your grandchildren, walking the dog, those basic activities that you would do, basic exercise going to the gym, do not damage the joint. That's why I said about making sure that you're at a healthy weight. If you have a healthy weight going into the surgery, you are setting yourself up for a longer longer longevity with that particular joint. But, yeah, you usually can get 15 to 20 years barring any major issues, traumas, complications, that type of thing. 
I think it, it actually could end up to be longer. We don't mm-hmm. know that, and we won't know for 15 to 20 years. Right. Right. And I've had patients over the years, or just a little, uh, little story, I had a, I've had patients over the years, they're in their 80s getting new joints in the 2020, 1920, and, but they've had, they got their original knee in their 60s. So original hip in their 60s. So they, they, got, they had that 20-year span, and those parts wore out, so they just getting the new up-to-date parts. <laughs> so they might have got their knee replacement or hip replacement in the early 2000s, late 90s, to the early 2000s, and now they're at the point where they need their new joints. There are some people that have had two hip and knee replacements, so it just depends on how, you know, how things are going. And they've, you know, they've loved every minute of having you know, those replacements. So it can be done. With a total knee, Halima, have you mm-hmm. seen the need for the spacer to be replaced and then they just go back to their level of activity? Because I understand some surgeons will do a scan, uh, MRI, or just an X-ray uh-huh. yearly, and they uh-huh. will look at the size, the thickness of that meniscus, that plastic meniscus, that spacer, uh-huh. and they'll watch for degradation and thinning. And if it's breaking uh-huh. apart and thinning too much, they will say, well, look, we've got to bring you in. And I think it's technically called a revision, even though it's really just mm-hmm. almost a replacement part, right? Take out the old spacer, mm-hmm. put in a new spacer, put yourself right. back together, and, and, and you're back at it. It's not quite that uh-huh. simple, obviously. But uh, have you seen that much in your, in your years? Over the years, when I worked, when working in the hospital, I have seen that Fairly often, usually if they if the person needs the patient needs a, a spacer placed, usually of a couple reasons. Um, sometimes there is an infection. That's usually the more more likely um, explanation. Um, they have an infection that set in for a myriad of reasons. Uh, but when the, when they do have that spacer placed, uh, it has some antibiotics inside of there, and so they'll have that spacer for six to eight weeks, maybe even twelve. Um, sometimes depending on what the type of infection that it is. And most of the time they are using articulating spaces, spacers so that that, that spacer is one where it, it functions just about as close to the actual prosthetic need that it, that it can. Um, you can't do everything, but you can do most things. Your basic walking, just basic activities you can do while, it, while that antibiotic is taking care of the infection. And then after that period of time, that's 8 to 12 weeks, the surgeon will go back in, take, take that spacer out, and then replace it with the brand-new uh, knee prosthetic. Other than that, other than, like, other than any type of trauma or something like that that would happen to the knee, the knee is usually pretty good when they first put it in. Sometimes there are, it's kind of like just like a brand-new car, sometimes the parts will malfunction. Why that happens, you know, sometimes it's just one of those things. Um, Sometimes it might have been a little human surgeon error, uh, minor surgeon error that becomes a bigger surgeon error. Um, Hopefully that never happens, but it's just just the nature of the business. Very rarely does have I seen that happen, but it can happen where the, the prosthetic fails and they have to go in and just do a whole, take the old parts out, put the new parts in. Um, so it's not foolproof, but the likelihood of something like that happening has gone way down. <laughs> Even when I started working in the hospital system eight years ago, um, 
back in 2012, it was actually 2011, I started working in the hospital system, the, the frequency of what I've seen, and that's just one hospital in one, in one town, but we did a lot of surgery. So um, when, I, when I would see those types of things, uh, when I see those types of things, it, was, it has gotten the, the likelihood of that ha- those things happening has gone way down. So that's a good thing um, to know going in in terms of, you know, uh, you know the, the prosthetic failing and having a good quality surgery for many, many years. Got it. Okay, so that was fascinating. Okay. That's about the space for an infection. You know what, Halima? Yeah. I was actually thinking of something else when I asked that question. Okay. And I used the wrong word because I used spacer, okay. and that sent you on to a very interesting uh, yeah. explanation <laughs> of a spacer and infection. And I am aware of that, an articulating spacer, get the uh-huh. infection out, uh, debridement, all the thing that needs to happen to clean out right. the infection and then go in with a new joint. Got it. But let me go one more time at this question because – and you okay. may say, PJ, you're crazy, which you, I may be crazy, but I'm under the <laughs> understanding, right? Here, listen to this scenario. I'm okay. 45. I've been playing baseball and football all my life. I've worn out uh-huh. my knee. I need a replacement. And I go in okay. and I say, look, doc, I'm going to go in. I'm going to have this done. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going back to hardcore football, basketball. I'm going to be skiing. I'm a heavy gotcha. biker. I'm going at it, man. And he's like, all right, but let me tell you, I'm going to check the thickness of that, uh-huh. not spacer, but that meniscus, the, the plastic uh-huh. insert, right? And I'm going to uh-huh. check that every year. And if it thins too much and that polyurethane breaks apart, we're going to pull it out and put in a new one. And that uh-huh. could be five years from now because you're telling me you're going to go mountain climbing and tackle the world. And right. that's going to tell me that it isn't going to be 15 to 20 years. That's going to be five. And we're going to not need to take out all the hardware, but we're going to need to put in a new plastic piece, the meniscus. Uh-huh. Okay. Now talk. I what, got you. Is that familiar so, or is that PJ craziness? <laughs> that is not necessarily familiar to me. However, I will say this. That is called, that's what I would call full disclosure to your surgeon. If you know that you are the go-getter, super active mountain climber skier type of active person, that's type of thing that you want to do and go back to doing, make sure you let your surgeon know that because they're going to be the ones that are going to be very straightforward with you and let you know based on the types of things that you want to do, I would suggest that you do you not do this or do that or there are different surgeons, which kind of leads into our second bullet, but, you know, selecting a surgeon that may specialize into more dynamic, more dynamic knees where they can, they can there's the surgical procedure will allow you to have a little bit more dynamics than maybe the conventional total knee. Where, now, where that where that lies, you just have to find out that particular surgeon. But it there are there are ways that you can approach it and let them know exactly those type of things that you want to get back to doing, and they may be able to encourage you or discourage you in one one direction or the other. That is something I've I have not heard of about where the meniscus or the meniscus portion has some wear and tear to it, but 
that and that may be a testament as to where the technology has come in terms in terms of the uh, prosthesis over the years. The best way I can answer that is to make sure that you if you want if you're one of those go getter types, super active, let your surgeon give full disclosure. This these are the type of activities that I want you to do. I want to do and is this possible? We're here with Halima Curry. She's from Michigan. Uh, she's on the X10 therapy team doing great work with patients as a physical therapist assistant. Halima, thank you for all that insight. This has been really wonderful. This is part of a series, so you've just been listening to part one, but this is part of a three-part series that we're doing on getting ready, preparing, making sure that your head is in the game, your body's ready, that you have all the ducks in a row for your, your surgery. So be sure to catch the next podcast episode on the Bees Knees podcast and uh, we'll continue the conversation. Hi, everyone. One message about what you're listening to, because there are two different audiences for everything that we do now. We have had a podcast for the last few years called the Bees Knees Podcast, and some of you are listening to that right now saying, yeah, thanks, PJ, got it. I'm listening to your podcast. What else do I need to know? I'll tell you. What else you need to know is that there's another way to consume these wonderful interviews and content that we create, and that is Knee Radio One, a 24-7, seven-day-a-week, on-all-the-time knee broadcast. It's a radio station on the Internet, Internet Radio, they call it, and we have a collection of interviews bundled into different shows that run all the time on Knee Radio One. You can find that broadcast simply by going to knee-radio-the-numeral-one.com. Knee-radio-one.com. And right on that homepage of that website, you can read all about it, and you can also push play and listen to the broadcast. The Bees Knees Podcast comes to you from our studio in Lower Manhattan, New York City. We're here week in and week out shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery. To reach us, send an email to Podcast at gmail.com.